What's your greatest fear? Anybody want to speak up? Your greatest fear? Excuse me? Failure? Okay. Speaking out loud? <laughs> That's funny, Linda. <laughs> Anybody else? Fear of rejection? Okay. Pronouncing names in the Old Testament. You know, I should have called Gavin McKinnis up this morning. Because back when deacons read the scripture before the sermon... There was one Sunday morning, he was like, now what's the scripture? And we were in Nehemiah, so it was something like Nehemiah chapter 10. And if you look at Nehemiah chapter 10, you'll see those names there. Well, he's over here, and I'm sitting there, and he's looking over at me like, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> and uh, when it was time for him to get up, I said, I got it. I'll, I'll say you this time. So I should have made him get up this morning and read Read uh, chapter 14 of Genesis. You know, a, a, a fear people have, of course, sharing the gospel. They say they don't know what to say, really, how, and how do I get into it? In fact, other than fear, people saying, I don't know how to transition into that conversation. I have no idea how to do that. And, and they're scared of that, so they just don't. So... Uh, Hopefully this will help you with that. Folks, we need to understand the Great Commission isn't just for a select few. Do you realize that if every pastor just in the Cabarrus Baptist Association won one person to Jesus each week, if the population, over the number of years I'm going to give you, if the population did not increase even one person from what it is right now tonight, you know how many years it would take just all the pastors in this county to reach people for Christ? It would take 52 years. 52 years. Each pastor winning one to Christ per week. It'd take 52 years just to reach Cabarrus County if the population didn't increase at all. <laughs> Some, we all better get busy, right? The Great Commission is, is for all of us. Because for one thing, you know, I have friendships that you don't know about. You have friendships I don't know about. What I mean is, you touch lives I never have the opportunity to touch. And I have relationships that you would have never have the opportunity to probably cross their path. And so each one of us has to adopt our relationships as our mission field and take responsibility for it. And, and it is our responsibility given in the New Testament. Uh, three, the beauty of three circles, as I told you this morning, 
It's simple. Now, what, I'm, what I mean when I say it's visible. You can look at it. Just the little circles. Uh, and and uh, it's a great conversation transition. Folks, this is going to be so easy. You're going to, after tonight, you're probably going to say, is that all there is to this? I mean, a, a seven-year-old could do this. Seriously, it, it, it's that easy. I think we would agree the need of reaching people uh, that we live in a very broken world, don't we? Uh, let, me, let me read a story that Kevin Ezell, who is over our North American Mission Board, listen to what he says about this. Bill Sullivan wasn't someone you heard preach at a conference. He never wrote a book. He wasn't even a pastor. He was a lay person who believed the gospel had the power to change lives. One night, many years ago, Bill had a gospel conversation with a young 20-something couple named Mike and Glenda. They came to faith in Christ that night. He goes on to say, A few days later I stood on a pew and watched my parents get baptized. I never met Bill Sullivan and at the time I didn't fully understand what my parents did that night. But that gospel conversation changed my parents' lives for eternity. And it went on to change the trajectory of their three children and 13 grandchildren too. Uh, Kevin Ezell says, I'm forever grateful this ordinary, everyday Christian took the time to have a gospel conversation with my parents all those years ago. One man who leads our North American Mission Board now, his family came to Christ because of a layman who shared the gospel with his parents. And it forever changed the history of the Israel family. Some of you tonight probably have a very similar story. Uh, somebody knocked on your door or took time to present the gospel to you and uh, you and your spouse were saved and, and you raised your children in a Christian home. They become Christians. Just this story right here. Uh, you know, when we, again, when we think of the need of this, we, we live in a very broken world. Let me, let me read some stats to you. Uh, these are just amazing. He says, we live in a broken world. You don't have to look far to realize it. In the United States, about 40% of children live in single-parent homes. 40% of those have no contact with their fathers. 
33% of all Americans carry credit card debt and an estimated 20 million people are ensnared in some kind of addiction. Top this off with a 2014 Pew Research Center report revealing that 36% of millennials are now religious nuns. None being N-O-N-E-S. They're unaffiliated with any type of faith at all. You know, he goes on to say, we're the Humpty Dumpty nation. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. We live in a fallen world and our best attempts to fix it aren't getting, aren't getting it done not getting it done at all you know we do things like or we used to do things like teach values in schools not sure exactly what they're teaching that certainly wouldn't be Christian values probably uh, you know people want health care for all they want all kinds of things trying to fix society and we're putting all kinds of band-aids on society trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And it's like every year the condition of the nation is only getting worse. You know, what would Jesus think about this? Well, I want you to read with me Matthew 9. Turn to Matthew 9 in your copy of the scripture. Matthew 9 beginning there in verse 36 says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness now look at verse 36 Matthew 9 36 says when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd most, most commentators will agree as Jesus was on probably a hillside that day and looking at all of the people coming out of those Galilean towns uh, towards him with their long robes like they would wear. Uh, here they are coming from everywhere, long robes flowing in the wind and so forth. And they were coming to hear him and coming, some of them coming just to touch him or to have an opportunity to, to speak to him or hear him teach. Jesus saw this vast multitude of people who were, who were lost. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Despite the fact that in Judaism at the time they had about 6,000 priests. They had so many priests in the area they literally worked in shifts around the clock and yet the people were still harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd they were broken just like today and uh, you know we try in vain uh, to put band-aids on it or to fix it don't we as I mentioned a moment ago we try to come up with all kinds of solutions but you know what? God has given us the solution right here. He's given us the redemptive plan to fix humanity. It's the good news. 
And, and the, the gospel, good news, is all about recovery and rescue and restitution, right? You could use those three R's, recovery, uh, rescue, and restoration. And you know, Paul writing to a church that none of them had seminary degrees, in fact, they were a broken church in many ways, the Corinthians. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5 for a moment. 2 Corinthians 5. To new believers, folks, these weren't people who had been believers a long time. This is a fairly new church. And, and listen to what he said beginning in verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. Paul said, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again. But are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What's another R word that you hear in that passage over and over again? Reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And now he's given us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. And as we preach the good news, it's as though God is begging those through us, inviting those through us to come to his son. Again, that's God's plan. God's plan is Christians sharing what they know, what they have experienced in Christ. Sharing the good news. And you know, past strategies don't work anymore if we're to believe most studies on this. Uh, who saw the movie Field of Dreams? Okay. And what was the catchphrase in Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come. 
And you know, this, this worked for years, for decades, with people who had been raised with some type of identification around the church. But again, one-third of Americans now say they don't identify with any religion. They're nuns. They never go to church of any kind, and religion doesn't play any part whatsoever in their daily lives. They are 100% secular. And this increase in nuns, because their number is growing annually, that increase is happening at the same time as Christians or professing Christians are dropping out of their churches and dropping away from the faith. Every year, those in America going to church and identifying as Christians is going down. Do you realize just about every single denomination, including our own, is in a free fall decline? Seriously. And Southern Baptists, we're not exempt from this. Massive numbers leaving our churches, leaving all churches in America. Uh, you know, so this old mindset, hey, if we just build it, man, they're going to come. They want to they hear our programs, our ministry. They want to they wanna hear our music and our sermons and all that kind of stuff. No. It's not even in their mindset anymore. They're, it's hard for us to understand, but they're not even thinking about these things anymore. And probably the younger you are sitting in here tonight and the younger your friends are, you identify with what I'm saying tonight. That you have friends that they don't even, they don't even think about church. And you know, today people want to do everything online. Shopping, whatever, just, you know, don't inconvenience me having to go somewhere you know I can I can get groceries and prescriptions and clothes and shoes and and books oh I love getting books on Amazon uh, commentaries and theology books Connie's about to enroll me in some kind of recovery program for addicts uh, You can do everything online. Just get it delivered to your doorstep. Do you know that no malls have been built in America since 2006? Do you realize that? No malls. The type of mall like Concord Mills or Carolina Mall or South Park Mall. No malls have been built in America since 2006. None. And the ones we have, it's projected over the next decade that 10% of all of them are going to close their doors. Malls, they're just going to cease to exist. What does this mean for the gospel? 
This come and see approach, build it and they'll come, the field of dreams, it, it, it just doesn't work. We want people to come, if we can just get them through the door and sample our ministries to children or youth or whatever it is, maybe we'll hook them. In here he gives the example though of, of how ineffective it is now. Take a food court in a mall. When you walk through a food court in the mall, I guess they're still doing this. I just don't go to many malls myself anymore. But does a, does a person, an employee there, still come out with a tray and maybe a toothpick stuck in, you know, maybe a little square of chicken or cheese or whatever and walk through the food court and trying to get people in the mall to sample? Do they do that anymore? But you know what I'm talking about, right, when they used to do it. What if instead of giving you a sample, that same person walked up to you in the mall, handed you a little card, and said, Hey, see this location right here? It's about, about 10 miles away from where we are. But next Sunday at 1015, if you'll come here, we're going to give you that little square on a toothpick. We're going to give you a sample that you can sample our product. Think about that. If in the mall, in the food court, people just walked up and handed you a card, you might have to drive 5 miles, 10 miles, 15 miles to get whatever location was on that card. And if you'll come to this location, you can see a sample of what we're going to be doing. Would you load up your family next weekend, drive 10 or 15 miles just to get a little sample on a toothpick? Nobody would do that. And yet that seems to be our approach. Mail campaigns. We're coming up on Easter. In your mailbox, there'll be churches that send some kind of postcard out advertising Easter it's, it's being shown now, just statistically, again, nationwide, uh, people who are studying these things say that just absolutely has no impact on anybody anymore. The church is just wasting their money. Wasting their money. Because everybody just gets junk mail and just goes straight to the trash can, things like that, just... Pithy little sermon series on a little, like a real estate sign... Pithy little sermon series stuck in something at the end of your neighborhood road. It's showing no effect, not drawing anybody anymore. And folks can go online now, and if they want to sample a church service somewhere, they can just click. They can just click around. You know what? They can just click and sample things, Right? And so what's that doing with the Great Commission? What, what are all of these trends doing today with the Great Commission? It is getting the Great Commission right back to where it started in the early church. If people don't come and see and our advertising does little to nothing, what works? Well, here is what is being shown does work. At some point, somebody you work with or neighbor 
It's going to be sitting across the table from you at lunch. And they're going to finally open up and share with you their marriage is falling apart. Their teenager is rebelling. They're about to be foreclosed on. And they're going to open up and share with you. And then out of that relationship, you can share the gospel with them. Sharing the gospel with people in your circles of influence. That's how, that's how it started with the church going out and talking to people. Again, it wasn't just Peter and James and John. Sure, they were preaching. They were still doing that too. They were using any hook in the water they could. But it was the people going out and sharing. And so because of all these marketing things churches do today, because they're not working, again, the one thing that is being shown to work and to be the most highly effective is when everybody in the church gets a vision for your family and friends that you're already connected to when you look for those moments to share the gospel with them. And studies are showing that they are far more eager to listen to you than we are to share. We assume they don't want to hear. And again, in, in these surveys, they do want to hear from that trusted friend that they're sharing their life with they will listen so the great commission is being dumped right in your lap and my lap every one of us in the church and you know the bible says the harvest is related to the seed sown so plentifully reap plentifully so sparingly reap sparingly if all we have across America is a few good men one day a week standing in a pulpit and sharing to an overall group for between 30 minutes and an hour, if that's all the spreading of the seed we're doing, it's, it's not accomplishing it. We need, right here, we need 400 people, 450 people at pits going out weekly and sharing the gospel with your friends, neighbors, co-workers, people you go to school with. 400 weekly, 450 weekly sharing the gospel. That's where you see the harvest. And so we come to the three circles approach. By the way, if you teach in Sunday school, last year during COVID, our association, they had a supplier. All these hand sanitizer things, they said, we got boxes and warehouses full. We're giving them away to churches. And I think I first said, yeah, send us about 3,500 bottles. And they're like, is that all? We need to get rid of these things. Okay, send us like 5,000. Are they still down in the core? They're down. So Sunday school teachers... If you use a whiteboard, man, this right here. <laughs> I 
hadn't even thought about that. And Seeger was cleaning the board for me tonight. Couldn't find the typical spray. He found that and he said, that works. It's pure alcohol. So, good idea. <laughs> well, the three circles approach. You're going to see how easy this is. And again, how just sitting at a restaurant, sharing with somebody. One circle that's going to talk about, you know... Your, your life's falling apart, you know, uh, I'll pray for you about that. You know, a lot of this is going on in the world. Well, we don't see the world like God originally created it to be, his original design where he said everything is good and finally he said it's very good. You know, God's original design, we don't see that anymore. Why? Because of sin. And there's verses that will go with each. Because of sin. And where we end up is in a state of brokenness. And in this state of brokenness, people are trying all sorts of solutions of their own. They're just trying anything. And it's not working. You know what God's answer is? God's answer is to repent and believe. Repent and believe in His Son. And then, you know, once that happens, you can experience... the restoration that God had planned all along that's all this is I mean it's that easy you can draw all this out on a napkin on one side of a napkin God's original design sin that messed it up the brokenness in the world and all the little ways people are trying to fix their brokenness but God's solution, repent and believe, and you come to Christ, and there's the restoration, getting back to what God's plan for your life is. What I want to do right now, just to help you see how this is kind of fleshed out, um, I'm going to ask Jonathan to play a 12-minute a video that is related to tonight, and then we're fixing to divide up into groups too, but before we divide up in groups... I'm going to get him to play a four-minute video with the trainer in this series going through a sample presentation. So we're going to watch the video for the next 16 minutes. First of all, uh, about tonight, lesson number one, but then a sample presentation, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? So Jonathan, if you'll get that started. My name is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm so glad that you're here, ready to be trained to turn everyday pause, conversations pause John, into gospel conversations. Let me just outline for you what we're going to do. Okay. Take your orange book out, because you got some blanks to fill in. 
as he talks, you got some blanks to fill in. In your orange book, it's going to begin on page 5. Page 5 and page 6. Okay? Okay, now you can restart it. For the course of the next six weeks, we're going to start each week after this one with a time of what we call focused prayer. It's prayer specifically for the people each of you know who are far from God. Then you'll watch a short training video like you're doing right now and take some notes on the listening guide in your training book. I'm going to direct you straight into what we're calling your class training reps. Your facilitator is there to help you practice in here and then he or she will facilitate a time of sharing stories to celebrate what happens as you go out into the real world and do your personal training reps, which will be assigned to you at the conclusion of each week. This is very important. No matter what you do, don't skip your reps. Okay, let me just tell you a little bit about how we develop this gospel conversation guide called The Three Circles. I'm the lead pastor of Family Church, and we're a network of neighborhood churches in Palm Beach County, Florida. We're a multi-campus, multi-generational, and multicultural church made up of people who are about 50% English-speaking Anglo, 30% Hispanic Latino, and 20% African American Caribbean Black. We also have political and socioeconomic diversity in our church. We live in an area with a lot of irreligious and unchurched people. The Barna Research Group recently reported that our city has the highest percentage of never-churched people of any city in the United States. When I considered that there are millions of people living in our region who remain far from God, I knew we had to get serious about reaching them. Now, I've had meetings and attended conferences to figure out how to best do that in this day and in our time, but then I just went back to the Bible, to the book of Acts, where this movement called Christianity actually started. As you may know, the book begins with the Great Commission. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus tells his followers that they will receive power and be his witnesses all over the world, both locally and globally. The disciples gather together, have a 10-day prayer meeting, and then the Holy Spirit shows up in a big way. When the Holy Spirit comes, this ragtag group of fishermen and ex-Roman IRS agents go out and begin to preach the gospel of Jesus. On the first day they do it, 3,000 people repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. They get baptized and start the very first megachurch. If you keep reading through the book of Acts, you'll see how the gospel spreads like wildfire. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John turn an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation, healing the lame beggar. Peter preaches another sermon and 5,000 people repent and believe. Acts chapter 4 tells us that Peter and John can't stop talking about the things they have seen and heard. By Acts chapter 6, the number of believers have multiplied greatly and a movement is breaking out. In Acts chapter 8, the persecution is so intense that believers begin to scatter, taking the gospel message with them. By Acts chapter 17, these brand new believers are accused of turning the world upside down. And in Acts chapter 19, we read that over the course of just two years, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. Historians estimate that this statement means 8.2 million people were reached within that first two years. Not every one of them became believers, but they all had the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. And this is our goal. So go ahead and open up your training guide and begin writing. Let's write this down. We want every resident of our communities to have repeated opportunities to hear and respond 
to the gospel. As we're obedient to tell, and as they hear, many will repent and believe. We can turn our world upside down, just like they did in the book of Acts. We don't have to wonder what in the world the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to do what he did the first time he came into a group of believers. He empowered them, led them, and guided them to preach the gospel, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. They invited people to repent of their sins, believe in Christ, and be baptized. This is what the Holy Spirit wanted to do on the first day he showed up, and it's what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now. It's what he wants to do in West Palm Beach, Florida, where I live, and in the community, town, or city in which you live. So here's some thoughts as we get started. First, we have to get serious about reaching far from God people. Our mission hasn't changed. Jesus still tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This isn't just for the professionals like me or your pastor. It's not just for those who've been to seminary. This mission is for all ordinary, everyday people who call themselves Christ followers. Second, we have to get serious about prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. On the one hand, these were ordinary people, but they had also just been praying together for 10 days. Their focused prayer preceded the spiritual power they received to do God's work. Each week, we're going to start with a time of focused prayer. We call it focused prayer because it is prayer only for the people each of you know who are far from God. You will pray for these people because we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do what Jesus would do if Jesus were physically present on this earth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads, teaches, encourages, and helps believers to do, say, and to think what Jesus would do, say, and think if Jesus were physically here. Third, we have to get serious about having more gospel conversations. If we're going to reach millions of people, it's not going to be because all the preachers really white-knuckle it and amp up their efforts. We need hundreds of thousands of Christians, just like you, having millions of gospel conversations every single day. In the book of Acts, it was the Joes, not the pros, that got the gospel out. Through our interactions with far-from-God people across South Florida, we have developed a way to share the gospel that we call the Three Circles. The Three Circles is a gospel conversation guide, and we're going to train you to use the Three Circles to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. We're going to train you, and we're going to help you get reps. It may seem awkward and unnatural to practice the Three Circles over and over again, but think about the importance of practice in other areas of our lives. I know when I played football, my coach made us do drills every single day. We ran the same place over and over until we could execute them perfectly. If we wanted to perform well at game time, we knew we had to get reps at practice. Now, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Outliers, concludes that it takes 10,000 hours of practice before someone truly excels in his or her field. Gladwell suggests that almost anybody could become an expert at something if they would get 10,000 reps. He isn't prescribing some magic formula for success, but he's emphasizing the importance of repetition in any serious endeavor. Well, Ours is a serious endeavor. I know you're here because you love Jesus and you want to do what he's asked us to do. I know you're here because you love people and you want to make a difference in their lives. 
I know you see and live with the brokenness that's all around us, and you want to do your part to fix it. So we're going to train you to do just that. We're going to help you get a lot of gospel reps. Now, I'm going to go through the three circles right now so you can get your first rep. So go ahead and get your pen, your paper, or your napkin and draw this out with me. The Bible tells us that God has a design for every single area of our lives. He cares about everything about us. He cares about our marriages. He cares about our parenting, our money, our jobs. He cares about every aspect of our lives. And the Bible says that if we'll operate our lives according to God's design, then we'll live in the arena of God's blessing. The problem is that every single one of us has a tendency to depart from God's design because we want to do things our own way. We depart from God's design. The Bible has a word for this. And the word is sin. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and we all fall short of God's design for our lives. When we sin against God and depart from his design, we end up in a place we call brokenness. Now, we've all been in broken places in our lives. Brokenness feels like shame. It feels like regret, emptiness. It's the feeling of being used. It's loneliness. When we end up in brokenness, though, it feels like a bad thing. But in a lot of ways, it's a good thing because it calls our attention to the need to change. When we're in brokenness, we try to change things, and so we maybe dive into another relationship, or we try to make more money, or we try to numb the pain of our brokenness with drugs and alcohol, but whatever it is, we figure out that the change that we need doesn't really come from in here. The change we really need comes from somewhere else. And the Bible says there's very good news for every one of us, and the good news is that God wants to heal the broken places in our lives. The Bible has a word for good news, and the word is gospel. And the gospel is the simple story of how Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came to earth as a man. He died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he was raised from the dead. Now, when Jesus was dying on the cross, God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, that's your sins and my sins, and he put them on Jesus. But then when God raised Jesus from the dead, God proved that Jesus could do everything for us that he said he could do. He can forgive us of our sins, and he can heal the broken places in our lives. So the kind of change we need doesn't come from out there. The kind of change we need comes from the gospel, and the Bible has a word for the kind of change that we need, and that word is repent. Repent means to change our mind, to change our heart, to change our direction. And when we repent of our sins and we believe the gospel story, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then the Bible says that Jesus comes into our lives, he forgives our sins, and he begins to heal the broken places in our lives. And because he does that, then we have the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. Now, when God comes into our life, he then takes us and he sends us back out into a broken world where we can tell others about how Jesus can heal them. So now it's your turn. I want you to pair off right now, right there in the room, and pair off with one another and go through the three circles. Don't talk about going through the three circles. Don't make excuses about not knowing what to say. Just do the best that you can right now to share the three circles with someone else, just as if they've never heard it before. Let each person get in at least one rep and then switch partners and do it again. Your facilitator will help you team up. This is practice time. Now let's get those reps. Jonathan, before you play the next video, uh, did you did you write this down on your napkin? Now, I, I didn't up here in the interest of time, but also make sure you go ahead and put 
what each circle is. God's design, uh, brokenness, and gospel. And they say rescue and pursue. I just used one word. Restoration was simpler for me. But anyway. Uh, and, and the way, you know, when you talk about God's design, you can be sitting down at dinner tomorrow with somebody at lunch. And, and they're talking about Russia and the Ukraine and what a mess the world is in. Maybe they're talking about our economy, our supply lines, our inflation, our stock market going down. or what, You know, all kinds of things people talk to you about how the world is in such a mess over something, right? And you can, just, you can just naturally lead into that. Yeah, the world is a mess. Can I, can I take just a second with you to share what the Scripture has to say about that? You know, this world that we're experiencing today is not like the world that God created. You know, God's design, He created a place that was good and very good. And, and you can even share scriptures that are, that are recommended with each one of these. And you know, but what's happened? Sin. And, and you can just very naturally get into it. It, it might be brokenness in the person's life. That's, that's your end. Or it might just be they're talking about how bad things are in the world. That's your end. So many things can lead you into talking about how God's original design is not what we're experiencing today. Well, Jonathan, one more time, because you are going to get a chance to practice this. I know he just did it, but one more time for four minutes, I want you to listen to him do a presentation again. Jimmy Scroggins again working on our gospel conversations training and I want to give you an example that you can maybe follow as you try to get ready to get reps to share the gospel of Jesus so I'm going to show you the three circles just the gospel piece right now on the board the Bible tells us that God has a design for our lives that God cares about every aspect of our lives that's our families that's our personal lives that's our choices our money our sex life really everything about our life God has a design for it if we live according to God's design, then we have the opportunity to live in the arena of God's blessing. The problem is that all of us have a tendency to depart from God's design. When we depart from God's design, the Bible has a word for that, and the word is sin. And inevitably, when we sin against God, when we leave His design, we end up in a place that we call brokenness. Now, all of us know what brokenness feels like. It feels like emptiness. It feels like guilt. It feels like rejection it feels like shame it feels like regret but when we get in this place of brokenness we always try to fix it so we try to maybe dive into a different relationship or try to make more money or try to become more religious but whatever we do we try to mitigate the pain of our brokenness we try to escape our brokenness in some way now brokenness really hurts and it feels like a terrible thing but the truth is it's a good thing because brokenness draws our attention to the need for change in our lives but the change that we need doesn't come from in here. The change we need comes from somewhere else. The good news is that the Bible tells us where that kind of change comes from. 
That kind of change comes from what's called the good news or the story of the gospel. Gospel is just the Bible word that means good news. The gospel is the story of Jesus. Jesus, who is the son of God, who came to earth and he never departed from God's design in any way, not even one time. But Jesus was crucified on the cross for, the Bible says, the sins of the world. That's my sins and your sins. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, our sins, and put them on Jesus. And Jesus received the punishment from God for our sins. When he'd done everything that he came to do, he said it is finished and he died. They took his body off the cross, they buried him, and three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says that God raised him from the dead to prove that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, and that he could do what he came to do, forgive our sins and heal the broken places in our lives. The kind of change we need doesn't come from in here. The kind of change we need comes from the gospel itself. The Bible says that what we need to do when we find ourselves in brokenness is repent of our sins. In other words, change our heart, change our mind, change our direction, and believe the gospel story. That's the story of Jesus, how he was crucified for our sins and raised from the dead. The Bible says if we'll repent and believe, then Jesus will come into our lives. He'll forgive our sins and begin to heal the broken places in our lives. And then the Bible says that God will give us the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. The cool thing about this is that we get to recover and pursue God's design from wherever we are. We don't have to turn back the past. We get to go and believe God and walk with God from right here. Now this is just the gospel piece. There's other things that you need to learn and other things that you need to rep. But I hope that this will help you as you learn to share the gospel of Jesus, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And just a reminder for those with the iPhone, uh, if you were sitting there at a table with somebody, pull out your phone and use that app and just scroll through the errors and, and say, you know, let's, let's read through this together. Uh, very simple. Is that not the simplest presentation you've ever heard in your life? Uh, if you still want to use Evangelism Explosion by Dr. D. James Kennedy, great. Uh, that's wonderful. To carry somebody through that gospel presentation, it's going to take you about 40, 45 minutes. Uh, and it's pretty involved. It's still one of the gold standard evangelism presentations. But chances are, this is going to have a higher application for most of you, maybe sitting at lunch with somebody. Again, so easy. Three circles. Uh, what I want you to do right now is uh, divide up into, say, groups of four and spread out. And I'd like to ask one volunteer tonight, in the interest of time, just one volunteer tonight in your group to go through these three circles. Remember, tonight you also have this. You can use it as a cheat sheet, your little black booklet. I know you're being exposed to this for the first time, so the people in your group, you know, give you a break. If you, if you look down a lot and go through this, that's fine. That's fine. In fact, you may want to just say, let me, let me read through something uh, to you, and let's talk about it. 
But uh, groups of four and one person to volunteer to do that. And if nobody does, you know, I guess get out straws and the short straw. You know, you're, you're going to share. But something else we're being urged to do at the end of this first lesson. Remember how Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever lest they see the glory of God in Christ and be saved. And Jesus in John 6, 44 said, No one can come to me unless my Father's Spirit draws him. So prayer, all of this has to be undergirded with prayer. You writing down the names of people in your circles of influence that you either know or suspect don't know Christ and daily praying for those people, that God would engineer circumstances in their lives in such a way that they would be drawn to Christ. Never underestimate the power of prayer every day for people around you who are lost. So keep that in mind as part of your daily devotions. But right now, again, uh, parties of four or five, I don't care if it's three, if it's four, five, however you want to divide up, and kind of get a little corner by yourself. And one person, just as a sampling tonight, one person in your group, lead your group through a, a conversation over this as though they're presenting the gospel to you one-on-one. -on -one. Would you do that? Divide up right now. Okay, let's wrap up. Uh, folks, is that not about as simple as it gets? It's almost embarrassingly simple. The seminarian in me wants to make it more difficult or something. But, you know, three circles. God's design, brokenness, and gospel. God's design, brokenness, and gospel. If you'll, uh, again, this week, if you'll look through either the app on your phone, if you have the iPhone, uh, or the little black pamphlet, uh, both of these, go through it in detail with the verses that go along with it. Such a simple presentation. So practice it. As he points out, the more you practice it, it just kind of becomes second nature with you. Nothing hard about it. Uh, it was mentioned to me that not everybody got all of the fill-in-the-blank things on the video. Before we close, let me just go through those very quickly, okay? You let me know if you're ready. If you, you ready? Okay. Resident should be the first one. Resident. And then repeated. And then respond. Resident, repeated, respond. 
resident, repeated, respond. The second one, who are far from God. Who are far from God. Prayer and power. The next two. Prayer and power. Gospel conversations, the next one. The next two, everyday gospel. Everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And then the last one, reps. We talked about how important it is just to go over this and go over it and go over it. Just becomes second nature to you. Do I need to go over any of them? Did you get them all? Reps. Repetition. Got them all? Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Father, I pray that this week, that as the body of Christ, that our eyes would be open and our ears would be open, that we would be attentive to the people around us and what they're dealing with. And that even this week, we'll have the opportunity to share this gospel presentation with just one person, at least just one. Lord, open those doors for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.